Acts 17, go down to verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. With who? With those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. What did he preach? Jesus and the resurrection, verse 19. And they took him and brought him to the Aragopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. Go down to verse 32 of that same chapter. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Huh. While others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some of the men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionysus, the Arabagite, I think I got it, a woman named Demarius and others with them. Father, move in power, Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I encourage you to take notes. God's a speaking God. Say, so God speaks. The Bible says that his sheep know and hear his voice. Try this. Try that. Go ahead. Yes. God speaks and his sheep know and hear his voice. And he has spoken to us in these last days by his son, Jesus Christ. The declaration, and as he walked the earth for 33 and a half years, he took the sin of of mankind and placed it upon himself on a cruel Roman cross and he died and he rose again. And we are called to be ambassadors. We are called to be witnesses of that. I don't know if you've ever ran into somebody that's just had an amazing meal at some new restaurant, but they usually talk about it. When Jesus saves you, you give your heart to him and you repent of your sin and you become born again. Truly, it's hard not to talk about that. It's just something that happens. This boldness comes on you. You just want people to know. Now, some people have this great gift of evangelism like John Duke and and many others. But all of us are called to be witnesses, whether evangelism is your primary gift or it's just something you're called to do. All of us are called to speak, to be ambassadors, to be ministers of reconciliation, to speak on God's behalf. And it could be that God has placed you in a situation to be his ambassador. In fact, I would say this. You are and you have been placed in a situation to be his ambassador and to speak on his behalf even as a very oracle of God. But some people don't know the authority that they have. They don't understand that they've been redeemed. They don't understand that the curse is no longer upon them. They don't understand that they've been freed. They've been liberated by the precious blood of Jesus and that he has endorsed them and empowered them by his spirit to be an ambassador, to be a minister of reconciliation.
I want to talk to you about evangelism for a moment tonight. Evangelism is the commitment to share the good news of Jesus to a lost and a dying world. All of us are called to do that. All of us are called. It's literally sharing the good news of Jesus crucified and resurrected from the dead. Evangelism releases the power of God. I shared a testimony this morning. It apparently touched a bunch of people, so I'm going to share it again because of half of you all never heard it. We were witnessing a number of years ago when we went to a nursing home. And in the nursing home, there is, of course, people there that are, you know, on all conditions of life. In this particular case, a lady was in her room on her bed in the fetal position. She was ill. Well, we went there and we went room to room and, and began to lead people to Christ with the same method that we're using now. And I would encourage you to be there on Tuesday night. What time does that start, Jim and Susan? 6.30 right here. We'll teach you. If you don't know anything about sharing the good news, come on, just get connected with somebody that does and watch what happens. You can just be a silent, a silent witness and watch the whole thing. And before you know it, you'll be sharing yourself. So you just come to that. 6.30 right here. I'm going to be here Tuesday night. I've, I've gone through it before, but I, you can't have all the fun. Praise the Lord. I've been in administrative meetings about to lose my mind. I'm going to go get some people saved. Come on, someone. Thank you, Jesus. 110 people in a week. I heard, listen, I heard what the goal was for the assemblies of God, and, and I'm grateful for a goal. If you don't have a goal, then it's hard to, you know, you got to have goals. Someone say, i got to have goals. So their goal is to reach 2,500 people since district council. So that's about two months ago, a month and a half ago, 2,500 people for the year. I personally think that we could do it all right here. And so wouldn't it be amazing if we reached 10,000 people for Christ? Wouldn't it be? There's 100,000 people in the valley. That's the statistic. Listen, there's 100,000 people in the valley. I've said this before. How many do you actually think go to church? Forget about that. Because there's a lot of people that go to church are going straight to hell if they die. How, about, how many people do you think are saved, really saved, healed, set free? They really understand the power of the good news of Jesus and have received him. How many? I mean, 50%. Would that be exaggerating? You know it is. So there's 50,000 people, but we don't want to, we don't want to go, the, you know, we don't want to, you know, go too high. But let's say it's 50% of the people are saved in the valley. So 50% going to hell, do you think that's acceptable? It's absolutely unacceptable, not so long as I'm living and breathing, not so long as the church is in existence. That's unacceptable. We're going to change that. Come on, somebody say amen. So we were going about just like we're going to do on Tuesday night. And uh, we were going about, went to this nursing home, went to, and people are getting saved. And we went to go into this one, uh, this one room where this lady was. We asked a nurse who wasn't too happy about, about us witnessing. It, it's like here. You know, people are irritated. What's this babbler saying? What do you want to say? What? What do you want to say? Jerk. Oh, yeah, we get that all the time. Uh, but Paul got it. So, I mean, why are you surprised? Consider it not strange. You face all kinds of fiery trials, beloved. So the nurse wasn't too happy. She's like, sure, you want to go ahead? Go ahead. Kind of mocking. Go ahead. Read your little thing. Well, we go in. In fact, it was Pastor Nathan Hanohano. Goes in and, and, and reads this script, which is the method that we use. And it's just powerful. I'm not sure why it is, but it has God's hand on it. And as he's reading the script to the lady, the lady's kind of nodding. You can tell that she's, you know, not doing well, but she's nodding. And in the end, she prays the sinner's prayer. She gives her heart to Jesus. So he prayed for her and he walked out. Now, this is, um, 
this is Mrs. Hasegawa. Where is, where is, um, do you know the Hasegawa General Store in Hana? Okay, so when I, when I got saved, when I got saved, I would run through Hana like a, like a crazy man. Oh, yeah. People really, I mean, I would go on these runs. And I'd run through the, I'd run up to the cross. Some of you have been to Hana, and you know what I'm talking about. There's this big cross. I'd run up there praying in tongues, and I'd come down, and I'd run all along by the cattle. And the first message I ever preached wasn't to people. It was to, and I got a scripture for it. It says, preach the gospel to all creation. So I stopped, and I preached to cows with my hair on fire. I had hair back then. Preached, you know, and I don't know if cows could get saved. I, I joke, jokingly say that I think I saw one of their hooves go up, but I preached my brains out. Preached my brains out to cows, did an altar call, prayed for healing, pretend I was in front of a church. That's, that's what I did. And then, <laughs> and some of you did some crazy stuff. You know full well when you were on fire. Do you remember you when you're really on fire? Do you remember when you couldn't wait to just go tell somebody about the love of God? Where'd that fire go? Where'd that zeal go? Where'd that passion go? Come on, you got to return to your first love. Don't be apathetic and lethargic. Some of you never want anybody to Jesus, but when you do, your heart's going to be like, that'll be it. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to stir you to action. I tell you, there's no greater way to be set on fire than to begin to win souls to Jesus. Nothing like it. I would run down the main street of Hana praying in tongues, declaring I mean, it's like a newly saved crazy person. Is anybody on your mind? And, you know, I'm sure I freaked a lot of people out. I remember running into Hasegawa's store and telling them about the love of God. And they're all Buddhists, okay? So they weren't exactly excited about hearing the Jesus message. And they just kind of looked at me. Let the crazy Howley leave, right? So the crazy Howley left. Do you know what happened? This is now some 10 years later go by. We're witnessing in that back to the nursing home. The lady lying there was Mrs. Hasegawa. And she prayed the sinner's prayer. Oh, I'm not done yet. The Bible says that the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Literally, the gospel being preached releases God's power, releases God's kingdom. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to see it. It's the truth of God's word. When you declare Jesus Christ died for your sins and mine, died for the sins of the world, and he rose again on the third day, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it releases power. Demons are fleeing the building even now. It releases power. So Mrs. Hasegawa prayed that prayer. When it came outside, the nurse is like, so, how was your time? Oh, it was great. She received Jesus. And the lady's eyes filled up with tears. And she said, what? She's deaf. She couldn't have heard. I said, no, no. She heard and she prayed. But she's deaf. Well, she ain't deaf anymore. And honestly, I think she went in to go and talk to her, but she couldn't talk or didn't want to talk to that rankous, upset, bitter lady. Is rankous a word? It is. Well, she was crotchety, you know what I mean? She was just like, she was irritated that we're trying to get people saved. Change your attitude. She probably had a demon for God's sake. I'm just saying it. 
I'm not going over there. I'm preaching over here. Is crotchety a bad word too? It doesn't sound good. Jesus, help me. Rankus and crotchety. I'm not sure where we're getting our thesaurus from tonight. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you need to be set free from a spirit of crotchety. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get rid of that rankest spirit. Hallelujah. Uh, there it goes. <laughs> if you're worshiping with us for the first time, it's going to get worse. All right. Maybe. Evangelism. Gospel means good news. Good news. Somebody say, what are you laughing about? Happy. Good news. I believe that God answered my prayer in the declaration I made to Mrs. Hasegawa some 10 years before. And then in her 90s, as she's saying deaf, she prays a sinner's prayer. And three days later, she died and went straight to heaven. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Evangelism. The commitment to share God's word. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone, who? Anyone. If anyone, is, is there anyone here? Great, anyone. Does anyone include? It includes everyone. Anyone includes everyone. If anyone is in Christ, that means they've believed on the Lord Jesus. They've been adopted. They've been grafted in. To as many as received him, he gave them the right, the exousia, the authority to become children of God. If anyone received Jesus, they become his child. They get grafted in. They get adopted. Their sins is thrown as far as the east is from the west. It is the greatest news that there is. In a, in a world that's filled with bad news, filled with defilement, filled with curses, filled with, with all kinds of perversion, the good news is you don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be afflicted. You don't have to be bound anymore. You can be liberated by the glorious blood of Jesus Christ. He's on the throne, he's defeated hell, death, and the grave. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he sent his one and only son, God did, to die in your place, to rise again from the grave so that you can be free, so that you can be healed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, and that's how you get in him, by receiving him. He comes to live in your heart. And, and you're in him too. Ephesians says you're seated with him in heavenly places. If any man is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So by sharing the love of Jesus, literally, literally you can bring somebody out of darkness into light. I heard one evangelist in this house say, so if you're offended, just get offended him. His name's Ivan Tate. You can find him online. He said, if you don't share Jesus, you have the devil on you. I thought, well, that's a little extreme. He said, no, 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 think about it. I mean, why would you walk past somebody who you don't know if they're going to heaven? Maybe you don't really believe that there's a hell. I mean, it's a convicting thought. You know, we get busy. We get myopic in our view. And we have many challenges. And winning souls can, at times, especially for the church, you know, we can just get into us four and no more. 
do you know do you know this? We have proclaimed and declared that we will double in this church, and I'm gonna tell you we did it. You know we had a hundred more people this Sunday than we did last week. Oh yeah. Last week was about 650, this week 750. That's pretty good church growth. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Wouldn't that be amazing? I don't know what the percentage is right there. It's not quite doubling. But I'd say when we hit 1,200, that would be a double. How about that? How are we going to do that? I have no idea. Well, if we're going to get some more chairs this week, Pastor Kirsten. We need more chairs for the youth. We need no more chairs for the church here. We can fill this thing in. What about the altar? You just make the whole place the altar. Praise God. Believe the Lord for him to do amazing things. We are doubling. Come on, say it. We are doubling. How is that happening? Supernaturally, through declaration by the will of God, it's God's will that none would perish, but all would come to what? To repentance. And I, I, I know it's not a coincidence that we led 100 people, 109 people to Jesus in one week, and it just so happens that the church grew by 100. It wasn't the same 100, although we've done follow-up and we'll continue, continue to do that. Isn't that right, Jim? We continue to do that. Isn't that right, Pastor Vince? We're going to continue to follow up and, and train people, try to get them discipled. It's not enough. It's enough to go to heaven just say, praying the sinner's prayer. But come on, you wouldn't leave a baby after they're born on, a, on, a, on some door po- doorstep, would you? No, you're going you're to feed them. You're going to take care of them. Babes in Christ need to grow in the nurture admonition of the Lord. They need to learn the word and, and learn how to rightly divide God's word and, and get full of the spirit. Amen. Let's look at this text. Uh, in, in Acts 17, the Apostle Paul here has this preaching ministry. And um, <laughs> he runs into some people. I mean, he really has quite a hard time. If you go to uh, Acts 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through, they came to Thessalonica. I had the privilege of living there for a few months. They're in a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul's his custom was went to them, and for three Sabbaths, that's for three weeks, reasoned with them the scriptures explaining and demonstrating. I'm sorry, let me say that again. Explaining and demonstrating. He did what? He taught them and he demonstrated. That's what Jesus did. Jesus taught and demonstrated, demonstrated and taught. I don't know what happened in Christianity where in in churches we just went to teaching. But that's not even a biblical idea. The renewing of your mind, teaching's only about 50% of it. Because if you don't apply it, begin to do it, if you don't begin to do the word, you, you won't really walk in power. You won't really walk in authority if you don't learn the word. In fact, learning it is, is, is intellect, head knowledge, but then it's living it out. There are scholars in Bible college that have no fruit. They've got no power. Well, they could exegete the word better than anybody here. They, they're, they're full of scripture, have written papers and written books, and have never led anybody to Jesus, have got no power, no authority. That's true. How many of you know that? That's true. Paul went in and taught them, but he didn't just teach them. He demonstrated people. I'm telling you, beloved, people are looking for real Real liberation, real power. You can't teach demons. Demons need to be forcefully evicted. And there's nothing like when somebody gets healed of some sickness or infirmity. It, they, they just, it, it bypasses the mind. It touches them. We, we owe the world demonstration. Verse 4 of Acts 17. Some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, 
and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Verse 5. But the Jews, who were not persuaded, became envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar. I'm telling you something. I want to tell you. It is my sincere hope that we set this city in an uproar. I don't mean a demonic uproar. I mean an uproar of salvation. That there's such a breakout in all. Could it happen? All God's looking for. He's looking to make history through a bunch of people who will believe him. If our youth get on fire, it's over. They got more energy. Come on. Instead of filling their time with gossip and, and, and Fortnite, they're going to fill their time with loving God and serving the Lord and reaching the lost and, and, and releasing God's power. I love this testimony of a basketball player. He's playing basketball, and some guy was giving him a hard time on the court. And they had been winning souls and winning people to Jesus. And this kid, he just thought, man, you know what? This guy needs to be saved. He's a jerk. He's fouled me. I'm going to witness to him. So he says, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. And the guy cursed at him. He says, I don't believe any of that. And so the kid said, thought, thought within himself, I bet if he feels God, he'll believe. So he said, okay, forget all that. You want to feel God? Take my hand. And the kid's like, no. He said, no, go ahead. Take my hand. You want to feel God? Take my hand. What boldness. That bully on the court took that young man's hand and that kid prayed and the power of God hit that bully and his hair stood on end and he's like, oh, what's that? That's the Holy Spirit. Listen, some of you are cutting yourself short. You've got the same power, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It doesn't matter what devil might rear his ugly head. You can cause that thing to run, turn heel, tuck its tail, and, and squawk across the county. I, 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 I. You've got authority. You've got power over sickness, power over disease. You've got power over every assignment. Oh, hallelujah. Paul preaching and these people cause an uproar, wicked men. I mean, if you were one of them, can you imagine? You're like, well, our prayers aren't working. Let's get some evil people. <laughs> I mean, what, a, what, a, what an affront to their belief system. Well, let's get some evil people to stop them. Like, that's going to work. How's that? Verse 6. Of Acts 17. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren, the rulers in the city, crying out. Wow. These have turned the world upside down and have come here to you. May that be said of us. Turn the known world upside down. Jason has harbored them. And these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Now that's talking about a legalized religion. And the reason that Christianity, if I could just talk to you a moment about church history, the reason that Christianity was able to flourish at this time during emperor worship, there was only one legalized religion and that was Judaism. And so powerful was the belief of a savior that the emperor made uh, his own religion called emperor worship and gave himself the title Lord and Savior. And required that everybody bow the knee and burn incense to him. This is history. 
in Rome. How do you control a large, vast empire through tremendous fear and a strong army? But Jews were legal within the empire. They were the only legalized religion. Well, it was emperor worship and Jews. And so the church flourished under the covering of being considered a sect of Judaism. But these began to understand that they are preaching something other than Judaism. They're talking about the Messiah. Wow. And that's what he's saying there. The decrees of Caesar. They're teaching contrary to it. They're saying there's another king. Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus. Ooh. Come on, say it. One, two, three. Oh, say it again like you made it. One, two, three. Oh, the devil runs. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they had heard these things. Go to verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When he arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. There they go again, getting themselves in trouble, heading out. God's, the king's army, go heading out, going into the marketplace. Here they come. Going to the synagogue again to preach Jesus. These are more fair-minded, how gracious, more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica, And that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few Greeks and prominent women and as well as men, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul in Berea, they came and stirred up the crowds. Here they go, the, 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 the devil stir-uppers. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Paul, Silas and Timothy remained there. So those, conducted, so those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens. And receiving a command for Paul, Silas, Timothy to come to, uh, with all speed, they departed. And so Paul, in this text that we read, is, is basically on vacation. He went to take a vacation. They're like, you need to get out of here. You've worked really hard. I mean, he had a python spirit rear its ugly head, and he took care of that. And, 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 the, and the blacksmith got all upset, and the idol makers got upset. I mean, everywhere Paul went, there's upset. Because he's fighting against forces of darkness, preaching the good news of Jesus. And everywhere he went, the gospel would prevail. And so he goes to Athens to have a vacation. And he's there, and he gets distressed. He sees all the idols and it troubled him so greatly that he couldn't help but testify like fire shut up in his bones. Listen, if sin doesn't bother you, maybe you've gotten a little bit close to it. If compromise doesn't bother you, maybe, maybe you have some. If when you're around people that aren't serving God and are full of evil, it doesn't move you, then you're not distressed over that. You've got to check yourself. You might have just watched way, way too many movies on Netflix that have defiled you. I preached on defilement this morning. You need to break that thing off your life, off your home, off your family. If you don't have zeal, don't have passion, you've got to question why that is. And all of us have an expression of zeal and passion in different ways. You don't have to be like me, turning all red and... Losing your hair and all that. 
Paul was distressed because the city was full of idols. Are you distressed by what you see? Listen, I can't even go to Walmart mostly. It bothers me. It bothers me to go to Walmart. I don't know why Walmart it just seems to be. I mean, if you go there around midnight, it's like a zombie apocalypse. Oh, I'm totally serious. You're like, I was there at midnight. Are you telling me I'm like, I'm not saying anything about you, you ugly thing. I'm talking about them. Quit being offended. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, scooped out eyes, so addicted, so broken. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Listen, Walmart needs to become Soul Mart. Who's going to bring the deliverance of the power, the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and a dying world? We have been called to do that. And it really bothers me to go to Walmart. But mostly, not, not because I'm distressed, I'm just saying. I've sort of been living in a semi-backslidden state. What do you mean you've been backslidden? No, you don't understand. When God marks you and he touches you, you can get so consumed by administrative things. You can get so sucked into structure and teaching and, and preaching. I'm telling you, it's not so easy. To be a pastor and have an evangelistic anointing. God's called me to be evangelist. And then he put a pastor thing on it. So as you guys have been winning souls, it's messing me up. I'm nearly tormented in meetings. I wanted to go to that thing the other night and I got a call from Dr. Morocco. And you know, praise God, it was an important call. There's always something important. My schedule's canceled for Tuesday night. I'm coming. My phone's off, whatever. I'm going to be there. I realize that the passion for souls in my own life has waned a certain, a certain measure. That's what I mean by backslidden. Listen, the church in the end times will have a cold love. Do you have cold love? Ask yourself, when is the last time you were so pierced through by somebody headed to hell that you could not stop but could not hold yourself back? I have a, a rule. I made a deal with the Lord. There's a people called cutters, and I won't go into all that. We've got children here, but I have, a, I have a personal vow with God that if I ever see any cuts on someone, they, I, my schedule has changed. They're going to hear about Jesus. Amen. I can't let them go by. When's the last time you were so bothered by somebody being addicted and being afflicted by, by seeing the zombie opioid apocalypse? When was that? We are in a battle. We're in a war. And the forces of darkness want to not only destroy the community around you, they want to destroy you, your family too. And the only way, you listen, you can live under your kitchen table if you want to, but soon it'll be in your house. What are you saying? I'm telling you, you need to be actively pursuing the things of God and actively declaring the good news of Jesus to a lost, broken, and a dying world. And that's, a, that's an act of violence. I mean, really, I, I'm, I'm fixing to get on fire here pretty soon. No, man, I'm going to just tell you, one of the ways that my wife and I would have breakthrough in the early years of our life is if the devil hit my house, I made a deal with him. I made a deal with God. And I told the devil, I said, you hit my house, I'm punching you straight in the throat. So I, we had this saying, and I, I used to preach it. I, I haven't said it in quite a while. But if the devil hits your house, hit his. 
And I, I, it's an offensive Christianity. I did it when I worked in the marketplace. I, and I've, I've done it as a believer, but, you know, I've just gone a little bit sidetracked. We're, we're about souls. It's not that we don't preach the gospel. Obviously, you've been coming here. I'm talking about that. I'm, I'm saying one-on-one in the marketplace with those who happen to be there. That's called a divine appointment. You say, well, I'm nervous. Get over it. How would it be if at the end your neighbor who goes to hell and you're standing there and you, they, they say, why didn't you tell me? Wouldn't that be horrible? The devil hits your house, hit his. And I listen, he's going to hit your house, so just start hitting his right away. That's what I say. What does that mean, Pastor? That means go out and share your faith. That means show up to a prayer meeting. That means come to a life group and start learning and the, the things of God. That means start reaching out to the lost or hurting the broken. That means get, get on the worship team. That means, that means plug in and serve somewhere. Help in children's ministry. Help at some capacity to, to see people impacted for the glory of God. Quit sitting on your blessed assurance. Rise up in your God-given blood-bought right and begin to take it to Him. Come on, take it to Him. Fight the fight. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. Come on, lift your hands all across this place and say hallelujah. hallelujah. Paul knew they had broken the, the, basically the two first commandments. He knew that as he was in, as in Greece. He's in Athens. He sees the idols. They had other gods before the Lord. They knew he knew about the revelation of hell. 2 Corinthians 5.11 Go ahead, turn there and put that on the screen for me. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Hallelujah. Paul understood what he called the terror of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 11. And it says this, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. What? But we're well known to God. And I also... Trust you are well known to your, in your conscience. Leave it up. Knowing the terror of the Lord. What is that? I'm going to tell you, there wasn't too many messages preached this week across Christendom on the terror of the Lord. There weren't too many messages this, this Sunday across the land talking about God's terror. But here we are in the New Testament. I'm not talking about the, New, the Old Testament. I'm talking about the New Testament. Paul's saying, we know the terror of the Lord. We can't help but persuade. I am compelled by the love of Christ to, to share the good news of Jesus. He knew that. So he went to take vacation. There is no vacation from the kingdom. And furthermore, let me say this. You can try to take vacation spend hundreds of dollars on vitamins, get all the rest that you want to, and you can still feel wiped out and drained. What comes from the Lord are times of refreshing in His presence. And when you serve Him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and you let the Holy Spirit lead you, you will not burn out. I've had people tell me, you need to relax. I don't even have that gear. I didn't have it when I served the devil, and I don't have it now. And I'm not going to relax. I'm going to get more and more on fire. I would to God that he'd come to lay hands on me himself and set me so on fire and just blow me up all over the place for the glory of God. As long as I can do that with Pastor Karen, it's all good. Thank you, Jesus. The terror of the Lord. Do you know what that is? What is the terror of the Lord? Ask yourself a question. Go do a Bible study on it. Knowing the terror of the Lord. 
He knew he had to give an account. Turn to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, just a little further. He knew he had to give an account, and you're going to have to give an account. Wally, you're going to have to give an account. Noel, you're going to have to give an account. Mayor Edna, you're going to have to give an account. Every single one of us, you got it, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 10, on the screen. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body. Am I yelling? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to which he has done, whether good or bad. Let's learn to the next scripture. You're going to be held to an account. You're like, I felt like I was back in my Baptist church again for a second. Well, thank God for the Baptists. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. They'll preach the same thing. They just might not be yelling. <laughs> Except that the first church of the fire baptized uh, the church of Zion, that one, they, they yell over there. I'm not sure where that is, but... <laughs> he knew he had to give an account. Guess what? You had to give an account too. God's love compelled him. Does God love compel you? He reasoned with them. I think it's okay to reason with people. I, I, I believe it is. I believe it's okay to work things out, to answer. Don't be afraid of questions and don't be afraid of their sin. Just because they're in sin, you can be afraid of it. You don't need to be afraid of anything. It's the devil that's afraid of you. It's the devil that's afraid of people that really know who they are in Christ. And it's okay to reason. It can be a good thing. Although I'm, I'm not into intellectual gymnastics. You know what I mean by that. There's people that are truth seekers and tr or there's troublemakers. Truth seekers or troublemakers. I don't know which one you are. I believe you're a truth seeker, but there's people out there that they don't want to know the truth. They just want to cause trouble. So when you tell them about the love of God, they want to argue with you. They, they, they want to debate with you, but it's not for the sake of actually getting free. It's not for the sake of, of genuine wanting to know the truth. It's because they're filled with strife, filled with the bitter, bitterness, and probably demonized, and they want to cause trouble. And in those, those instances, you need to shift the gear and go into the Spirit, take authority over that thing. Listen, there's very few people that walk in authority. I believe God's raising up a, a church, a group of people that will walk in power and authority, not afraid of the devil, not afraid of his manifestations, because God in you is bigger than any trouble that you're going to face. He shared the gospel daily. You know, I had somebody say to me, you know what, we should be like the first century church. They met every day. And I thought to myself, yeah, yeah, you know. And then I thought, wait a second. We are doing that. We have church every single day. When? Right here. We got morning prayer. Two services, 6 a.m., 7 a.m. Right here. Morning prayer is so on fire. I mean, it's always good, and sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's just like, wow, the paint peels and miracles are released. We have church every day. Do you know the first century church had church every single day? It might not be in this dynamic with worship and such, but we're gathered together praying. It was a lifestyle. We need to have a lifestyle of seeking God. You know, if, let me say it this way, when we double here, so I'm going to call, I'm going to call the marker at 600, 650, okay, that's generous. We'll call it 650. 
From the time I made the declaration, I think we were 600. So we'll call it 600. So when we hit 1,200 people, we've doubled. But I want leaders to double. I want our life groups to double. I want our teams to double. I want to have 10 worship teams. Listen, we need to have many, many services. We can have a service every night. And if you're a volunteer and you're like, oh, my gosh, you're going to kill me. Let's serve back in the children's ministry again. No, we need to raise up other children's workers. You can't have all the, you can't have the whole party to yourself. Come on, God's going to give us a multiplication of workers. We're going to double. And when that happens, I mean, take a survey of the seats. You can't fit 1,200 people in here. So is that four Sunday mornings? I don't know. The Lord will show us how to do it. But we're doubling, make no doubt about it. Why? Because there's 50,000 people and I'm being generous, headed to hell. We're going to get them all saved. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. And it's wonderful. We'll lead them to Jesus and may they fill, the, fill other churches as well. May we lead so many people to Christ that they fill every single church across the, across the valley that's preaching the gospel unadulterated, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's too many people for the, even our new building, our new building's awesome. It's way too small, Wally. I told you. He's like, I know. But it's a good start. All right. He raised up disciples, which is what I'm talking about here. He was there day to day, a lifestyle of sharing his faith, a lifestyle of serving God, a lifestyle of prayer. And people became believers. He raised up disciples. Let me ask you, it's rhetorical meaning don't raise your hand or shout or anything like that. Unless you get hit with the Holy Ghost and you really get freaked out, then you can shout and run if you want to. Who are you discipling? Who are you? You say, well, I just got saved last week. Well, you know, someone else that got saved last week went out and led somebody else to Jesus. So you don't have to wait until you're like, you know, six years in the way. That doesn't even sound good. The way means you're in the way. Six years serving God, and then you're going to, I remember I preached for this pastor all. You know, God bless him. He's a heart of gold. We're still friends and everything. But he said this to me. He said, you know, We've been here discipling people for some, oh, I think it's about 12 years now. I think the city's just about ready for evangelism. I said, what? What do you mean? Well, you know the people. I think they're ready now. 12 years? I mean, show me the biblical pattern for that. Where is that? That's not there. We're going to win souls. We're going to double and it's going to happen by God setting you on fire and reaching out. If everyone here brought someone to church on Sunday night, we would already double this service. Can that happen? Yes. I repent for every empty seat. Listen, begin to believe. You say, well, I don't have a boldness like that. I don't have a boldness like that. <laughs> That's my key for piano. You're awesome, Minister Micah. Well, you don't have a boldness like that. I'm going to tell you something. You can get whatever boldness you do have, God can give you more. And if you'll ask God to give you a boldness, let me say this. There was, a, there was a young mother 
She had her little baby in a carriage. This is an illustration. She's pushing her little baby across the car. I mean, she wouldn't, she did the self-checkout because she don't want to talk to anybody. I mean, just, just as quiet and reserved and calm as possibly could be. Would never hold a conversation or eye contact with you. Just, you know, she's her family. She loved her husband, and she had her first beautiful child. Baby's about four months, five months old, pushing that little baby across a cart, and her handbag is on the cart. You know, on the, on, what is it called? A baby carriage. I got it. A stroller. And a demonized, crazed person sees her purse hanging on the stroller and sees her as weak and pray for him. He runs after her, shoves her over, grabs the stroller, and hits a dead sprint across the parking lot. That petite, quiet mother was no longer quiet. In fact, I don't think she was petite anymore either. Who knew that she was a track star back in high school? She kicked her heels off. She got up on her toes and ran up on that knucklehead and beat the fool out of him, ripping all his hair out of his head. The cart went off and, and rested against the curb while she gouged his ever-loving eyes right out of his head. Screaming, shouting, clawing. Grown man couldn't get her off. It was like a some kind of a some kind of a wild animal. It's like a wolverine. Just attached to the boy's head. Scratched him, hurt him, sent him off bleeding. And she got her baby back. Why is that? Because when you come to an understanding of the terror of the Lord and your responsibility in this hour and a revelation of hell, you will not be able to let someone run away with the baby. Cannot happen. Will not happen. It won't happen. Not on my watch. I'm asking God to pierce me through with a burden for souls. That is why we're here. And to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I am calling you to fast. I'm calling you to pray. I'm calling you to win souls. And God's power and fire and demonstration will come upon you. And we will see a great revival. So many people are waiting for the next thing, the next guest speaker, the next move of the Spirit. They're like connoisseurs of the anointing. So they'll run to Anchorage and they'll run here and they'll run there. Not realizing that God wants to put a fresh anointing on your own life to reach the lost. We've had far too many meetings where there's just Christians gathering together. All these intercessors. I mean, I heard today intercessory all the spirit has been pulled down and this declaration's been made 
listen, when a real revival comes, there'll be souls, baby, lots and lots and lots of souls. And yes, I believe in intercession. Yes, I believe in prayer. Yes, I believe in giving. Yes, I believe in fasting. But we need boots on the ground with people that are burdened with the, with the heart of the Lord to share the good news of Jesus. And God is doing that. I call forth an army of evangelists this night. I call forth those with a mantle even like unto Billy Graham. I call forth evangelists tonight from the four corners of the world. I call them forth. I call forth from the north, the south, the east, and the west. God, give us a burden. Give us a revelation. Release the burden of the Lord. Give us a revelation of the terror of the Lord. Put your hand upon us. May we become a soul-winning station. Lord, even as that, that man of God of the bygone generation kneeled by his bed and his wife pleaded with him to come, he said, I know not how it is with 3,000 souls out there. I must pray. God, may prayer be coupled with going. May the Word of God be coupled with demonstration. Raise up those with a burden for souls. This week I pray not 100, not 110, but 220 that we would double this week. And the week after it would be 440. God, it'd be like that. Raise up. I call forth evangelists and I break lethargy. I break apathy off of your people, off of the church, off of the church of the living God, off of not only our church, but every church. And there would be a mighty, mighty wave of workers in the community that would bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ with demonstration. Lift your hands all across this place. If you're standing right now, I believe that God touched you and moved you to stand. And I pray for all those standing. That means you could stand up if you want this. I pray for all those standing right now. A fresh mantle of boldness. A fresh anointing. Fresh power. To rest upon each and every one of us, Lord. I declare the forces of darkness are diminishing in this area. As Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. God, tonight, I see Satan fall like lightning over this place because of what you're doing. Every boy and girl, every man, woman, every child be freshly anointed for the harvest. That we will double in every way. Our ministries, teams will double. Children's ministry workers will double. The children's ministry workers is going to be the least of your concerns. There's been such a burden, the Lord says. And I, and I know naturally, I, there's been such a burden where there's times where you, you have this, you're shouldering this responsibility for all of those beautiful children. You have workers down there. And you know that there's going to be so many that come. And then there's times when people just don't understand the weight of it. And they don't understand how important their little role, their little role's not little, so when they call in because they stayed up too late, and how we have to shuffle and adjust so that we don't turn not one of these little ones away. The Lord is going to give you a supernatural multiplication of workers in the children's ministry with crawlers. Come here. Every children's worker, get up here quickly. Quick, 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 quick. Quick, line up all across the front, shoulder to shoulder. God's going to bring an unction, anointing.
Some of you, God spoke to you to help in children's ministry and you haven't done it. We need your help. We need your help. Minister Kimmy, come here. As hands are laid upon you by Minister Kimmy, God's going to put something fresh on you. And I want you to receive it. You're going to lead us in some worship. As hands are laid upon you, and I want you to quickly move in just a moment. Not yet, not yet. Wait, wait, wait. I want you to lay hands on people in just a moment. When hands are laid on you, it's not going to be Minister Kimmy. It's going to be Jesus flowing through her. Come on, close your eyes. Lift your hands all across this place. Holy Spirit, release a fresh mantle, God, for even recruiting, even evangelism. Let Let a doubling take place of these workers. In the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Right now. Ushers, quickly. Holy Spirit, do it. Release right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. now. Receive that touch. Holy Spirit. Multiply.
boxes. Take the gift test again and find out that things have changed. I'm putting a fresh mantle on you. You've been contending, you've been crying out, and what didn't come naturally or just overtake you in the sovereignty of God is being released because of your brokenness, is being released because of your prayer, is being released because of the need, and the hour is great for this generation. And I'm placing my hand upon you. You're gonna preach like a, a wild man of God, full of faith and power. You're gonna take the word, and I'm gonna speak to you in the night. I see you even with the Bible before you, and things beginning to leap off the page. The rhema word of God is coming to you, service after service, time after time, and you are gonna be so secure in your calling and anointing that you will be able to release others to preach, to pray, to prophesy. I'm gonna use you to bring impartation. I'm gonna use you, even like a pipe piper, you're gonna be used to call in this generation from high schools, from elementary schools, from middle schools. This next year will be far greater than anything you've ever seen before. The enemy's launched an attack, but the devil has been defeated by your prayer. Continue to stand and see the deliverance of the Lord and receive a fresh mantle. Says the Lord. We need a fresh Your prayer. Unleash the fresh. 
I call forth every gift to be released in this house. I call forth those who belong to this house. To come. I'll call them in. I break off the cords. I break off the cords. The sin that so easily entangles. I call forth those to move up even from the lower 48. They've been gripped by shows on TV and they've heard the call of Alaska. I call them forth, intercessors and musicians. I call forth those from marketplace ministry. Businesses, God, we call forth to be started and to be planted here. God, release your power in Alaska. You showed me so many years ago that you're pouring out the golden oil of Zechariah. Raise up mighty leaders. Give us souls. Thousands and thousands. Thousands, I see thousands. Doubling is not what I see right now. I see thousands. vision, the one that you have. I see a part of it where there's a horde of the enemy and then there's the battle of the, the body of Christ in battle array and I just see it like an onslaught of power just wiping out darkness. The captives being set free. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the anointing, the unction the burden of the evangelist to be released here. All the fivefold gifts, God, working together, fitly joined together, as it says in Ephesians, joint to joint, fulfilling your purpose in the body of Christ, working together to bring the kingdom of God. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to live at this time that the prophets saw the greatest time in human history, carrying the greatest message, the goodness of Jesus to a lost and a dying world. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're not right with God, don't you leave this place in that condition. If you don't know for sure that if you die tonight that heaven would be your home, you can know for sure. You must be born again. If you can't remember when you were born again, you might not be. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, won't you do it tonight for the first time? Or if you did, but you've drifted, you're, you're not where you should be, and you know it, you want to come home. You want to come home. Or thirdly, you just, you just want to be sure the devil lies to you, and you're not sure if you're really saved. Do you want to be sure tonight? All across this place, those online, those listening, by podcast, on YouTube, on Facebook. Make it real. 
Let me let this power come right through to your phone. Make it real. If you die tonight, are you going to go to heaven? Quit playing religious games. Do you know for sure? Give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Make a recommitment or you want to be sure, assured of your salvation all across this place. You say, that's me, Pastor Daniel. On the count of three, you want to be included in this prayer. Count of three. Raise your hand. One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. 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 Can we do this? If you raised your hand and you're serious, meet me right here. Just, just right here. Come, come. Come on, come. As close to my hand as you can. Come on. Church, I think you ought to get excited about people giving their hearts to Jesus. Come on, come. Come, 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 come. If you know you need to be up here, come. If you know you need to be up here, come right now. Come on, leaders. You know who you are. Don't make me come get you. Come on. Come around them. Pray this prayer, those online, those here, with all your heart. Just mean it with sincerity. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for rising from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Spirit, I pray, fill and touch and heal. Thank you. It's a call of God on you, young man. All right. We will. I serve God. Holy Spirit, come, touch, fill these. Come on, just pray in the Spirit. Service is almost over. Just a few more moments. The hand of God is on you, sweetheart. It's the call of God on you. I'm going to make a way for you. Dreams and visions will be your portion. I've given you a fine intellect. I'm going to make a way for you.
If you don't know how and you want, it, want some training, we'll help you. It's exciting to go in a group Tuesday, 6.30. You don't want to miss that. I'm going to be here looking forward to it. I'm going to sit in your class there, Brother Jim and Susan. I'm going to go out and let the Lord set me on fire. to reach people. Can you say amen? Pastor Karen, would you come and close us tonight? I hope you got something from the Lord. Come on, just lift your hands up to the Lord one more time. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word that's gone forth tonight. And Lord, I pray tonight, God, would you bless your people cause your face to shine upon us. Lift your countenance up. Let your countenance be towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace in your mighty and matchless name. In the name of Jesus. Amen.